it is marvelous to be able to be outside. This makes me so happy. This makes me so happy. How many of you like being outside? Yeah. Did I walk away with the important stuff? I did. Hey, hubby, is that my stuff sitting over there? You want to bring that down to me? Last night during our little cookie time, we had a chance to reminisce about Joyce Carol and Stan. Do anybody remember Joyce Carol and Stan? And I feel like Stan spent his life just falling around and cleaning up after Joyce Carol and <laughs> bringing her stuff. So anyway, in that spirit, kept it busy. And so in that spirit, uh, that's awesome. She was, gosh, she was something else. I love coming to other CFOs and then hearing the stories of people that you know, we may not have met, but mutually we know people. And I love playing that game. And a number of you have come up to me so far. And please keep doing it. Like, oh, I, you know, I have a cousin in Maine. Or, oh, I've been to here. Because we realize that we really are connected. I've had a lot of fun getting, hearing those connections about folks on the coast and somebody you know, sailing and knowing Kip. And uh, it's just been fun. So please keep, please keep doing that. And one of the hard things about a camp of this size is I don't feel like I'm going to get to know everybody. I remember when Sam went to college for the first time up at Dartmouth College in, in Hanover, and the first couple of days he was exhausted. Do you remember this, Sam? He was exhausted because he thought he was supposed to say hello to everybody who walked by because in a small town you know everybody. And he's like, how am I ever going to meet all these people? And I'm like, honey, you can't meet everybody at the college. You can't meet everybody. So if you would like to connect with me, please just come up randomly and start a conversation. I'm going to try and do as many as I can, but it's just so hard. I won't, I'd need more time. And, and name tags. Name tags are so key because, yeah, I'll remember our conversation, but the name, and that's going to be a little slower in coming for me. Never, never one of my strengths. At morning meditation this morning, being here and being in this place, I was struck by how every, things that were surrounding me in nature, and as you look around today, I was like, wow, the, the trees are doing what they created, they were created to be. They're soaking in the sunshine and making it into nutrients and growing. And I was listening to the bird song, and the birds were doing what they were created to be, you know, greeting the morning, letting each other know that they are here. And then even the ground where we are, it's doing what it was created to be. I was sitting over there and looking at that sign, this, and it's all in you know, fancy English, but what does it say? This place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Even the ground is doing what it was created to be, to be holy. So I was sitting there thinking, am I doing what I was created to be? Am I being who God created me to be? And that's part of what CFO is, right? To come back to the roots of, are we? And how are we embodying what God created us to be? What was kind of interesting, though, was as I'm sitting here, and as you're sitting here now, I just have to say, if we were in Maine, we could not be doing this. It would be equally as lovely, maybe even more lovely. You know why we could not be doing this in Maine? Because the black flies would be doing what they were created to be. And they would be feasting on you. And they would be calling their friends. I, well, I didn't, and I didn't know. Maybe I sh that's what I should have done this morning. So I, I actually brought my bug shirt. I just wasn't sure. 
Um, and I literally <laughs> put that on, and it goes for here, and it and it's netting, and it goes all the way down to my hands, and it goes over my. I mean, I am serious. Anybody else been to a place where it's that buggy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maine. I was under the impression that if you wanted to have beautiful green, you had to have water. And if you had water, then you were going to have things that bite you. And I am constantly surprised at how you can have beauty without bugs. <laughs> I don't know. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> I was going to get out more. So anyway. Doing what you're created to be. Last night I was talking about listening prayer, and Adam was so, I'm so glad you mentioned that, as I'm learning kind of some of our new kind of CFO uh, values, how we're expressing them. Same values, just expressing them in different ways. The first one is expectant listening. So last night I was talking about listening prayer. Today I've shuffled around my talks a little bit, because this morning I was going to show you some slide stuff, so I'm going to move that to where we can do that. So today I'm going to talk about resting prayer. So if you find yourself going back to sleep, it's okay. You just tell people you are resting prayer. You are resting prayer. So um, please uh, raise your hand if you are a grandparent. Do we have any grandparents in here? Nice. All right. Do we have any great grandparents here? Wow, look at that. Awesome. Do you? That's awesome. Uh, um, Oh, do we have any grandchildren here? If you're a grandchild. Oh, that's nice. That's, it's a trick question. Okay, wait. All right. So, and if, and uh, we'll, get, we'll get everybody now. So, and if you are, if you, if you are somebody's child, right, raise your hand. All right. So, good, good. 100%. Almost participation. So, everybody's good. So, you got the feel here where we're going. And I realize this might come as a surprise to some of you. It certainly surprises me. But I actually am a fairly new grandmother. Uh, and it's the best thing ever. What everybody said is true. Being a grandmother is so much fun. So much fun. Gosh, I feel like I'm speaking to the folks on the other side. But it's okay. I'm just going to keep talking. Do, do tell me if I'm too loud or if you can't hear me or whatever. Um, you were being outside, right? So you are going to get tonight a chance to really enjoy my son, Sam. I also have an older son, Ben. Ben and his wife, Molly, live in Santa Barbara, California which is about as far from Maine as you can get, which makes me really sad. And you might think, oh gosh, they just wanted to get away. But no, not true. Ben and Molly met at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. And, uh, and Ben, they were, he was, you know, he's a freshman, goes to his first like, Christian fellowship meeting, as you do as a, you know, a new college student. And across the big crowded room, there was a young woman wearing a sweatshirt, and on that sweatshirt, it said Mammoth Mountain. And it was Mammoth Mountain, and uh, their kind of mascot is this woolly mammoth, and it was snowboarding. And so he looks over and he says, huh, Mammoth Mountain, snow, snowboard, okay, we can live with it, not skiing. And he said, you know, you know follower of Jesus, has awareness, no, sir, I need to go meet this girl. And so he went over and met Molly, and the rest, as they say, is history. And Molly is from California, and they live a little less than an hour from her parents. So that's why they're in California, not just because they're running away from Earl and I. That is not true. <laughs> but they have, I shouldn't say they've taken, but now they have my granddaughter living in California. Oh, how I love them, it's, but it's so far away. And when they first got pregnant, 
they called us and they would talk to us and they would say, well, what would you like to be called as a grandmother? What do you want to be called? You know, that's a big decision, right? How you want to be known. And not that it will be stick, right? Like, you come up with this name and then they rename you, right? My, my, auntie, my auntie Susie, my great auntie Susie, who actually lives in San Diego, hmm, there's a trend there, also in California, she confessed, she was the really cool, she was the cool auntie, and so when she then became a grandmother and she wasn't ready to be a grandmother, she couldn't come up with what she wanted to be called, and so she would say, you know, I'm not a grandmother, I, I don't feel like a grandmother, I'm not a grandmother, and so her own daughter started to refer to her as the not grandmother. <laughs> Not grandmother, not, this is not grandmother, this is not grandmother. And of course, then the kids then shrunk that to Nani. So, so her, her name is Nani, as in the shortened form of not grandmother. So you just never know what you're going to be named. And when I finally, and I, so I went through, I googled like grandmother names and grandmother titles. So I'd just like to hear a few, those of you who are grandmothers or those of you who are grandkids, it will start, that would be more fun. Those of you who are grandchildren, what do you call your grandmother? Let's hear some. Nana, Grammy, grandmother, what is it? Grandma B. Mem. Is there, is there a good one back there? What is it? MM? Nanny Gamma. Woo, baby. All right. Love it. When I let them know, because they asked what my preferred title was, there was a collective gasp. Not Nana, which was my mom. Not Grandma. Not Mimi. Not Oma. And maybe I'll tell you later. And I'll see. And I'll see if you gasp. But I was quite proud of it. Um, so at the be well, you know, I got to keep you. I got to keep paying attention somehow. You know, <laughs> this little little teaser, right? Um, at the beginning of May this year, Earl and I were with Ben and Molly and my granddaughter, whose name is Adelaide Rose. Not a family name, but sounds very old school to me, which I love. Adelaide Rose, Addie Rose. And in May, she was, about, she was 14 months old, so she was born in March of you know, last year. So she's 14 months old, just starting to walk, kind of the age of Asher, if you've seen little Asher around. So it's that similar age, just all kinetic energy, no decision-making capability, you know, just kind of walking and like falling over. It's just the cutest, and usually falling back, and it's just the cutest thing, cutest age. And we met at Mammoth, California, which is a ski resort in California, you know that. And depending on who you asked, like for some of us, it was a ski trip with a little grandbaby time, or possibly time to be with the granddaughter with maybe some skiing thrown in. So it depends on your point of view what we were going to do. But California to Maine, it's too far. And uh, one day, everybody else was out skiing. And it was beautiful, by the way. Oh my gosh, they had so much snow at Mammoth this year. You still, in May, you still had to climb down to get into the base lodge. It was amazing. But I'm home with Addie. And I had fed her lunch, and I had just put her down for a nap. And she woke up at about, after about 40 minutes. And I'm like, this is way too short. I know it's supposed to go longer. Uh, I know, but I don't think they want her to just like cry and cry and cry in the crib. I don't know. Maybe she was crying. Maybe she was just standing up in the crib. Who knows? But anyway, I went down, I scooped her up, and I brought her up into the living room, and I just sat in this kind of rocker chair, and I put her on my chest, 
and I rocked her back to sleep. It was the most glorious hour of our week-long trip. Just me, just me and Addie. And uh, my family will tell you, I have a song for everything. There is always a song in my heart. So I sang to her long after she didn't need me to sing to her anymore. And it was warm, and it was in the sunshine, and she's drooling onto my chest. I like to write songs for her. So I had one that I wrote for her when she was just a few weeks old, the first time I met her. And so I'm singing. You might recognize the tune. Addie Rose, Addie Rose, this I know is true. Addie Rose, as you grow, know just how much God loves you. Oh, isn't that wonderful? So I want you to take a minute. I said this is about resting prayers, so sorry if you're ready to get up and jump around. That'll come in rhythms. Don't run away for that. So imagine, if you will, a baby sleeping on your chest, and if you have never had that feeling, or even if you've had it, you might want to put that hand on your chest and give you that, just give you that weighted feeling. So what does it feel like when you have a baby fall asleep on your chest? Anybody want to tell me what it feels like? What does it feel like? The best feeling. Cozy. Cozy. Don't move. Yeah, what else? Glorious. Any others? Fulfilling. Peaceful. Divine. They're like a, those of you who haven't, it's like a having a sack of flour. Just sit there. Because you're right, they're like, they, and they get kind of like dead weight. They get really limp. And they just are like, they're passed out. Totally at rest. Totally at rest, totally at peace. And, and, if, and, I, and I want you to build on that picture and that feeling of what that feels like. Not, not necessarily from me as sitting there, but maybe from even her as laying there. That sense that she can hear my heartbeat. She is just totally at rest. And I sensed in that moment that God was going to teach me something while I was, had her on my chest. And, uh, and God did, and he reminded me of a moment in Jesus' life, and, which is interesting because, and you have to stay with me on this because you'd be like, how does this connect? But it does. In Luke 13, the Pharisees are showing some concern for Jesus, believe it or not. And it says some Pharisees come up and they speak to Jesus and they say, get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. And so Herod, those of you who don't know, so he represents the Roman government, but he's also kind of Jewish, definitely has it out for Jesus. And the Pharisees, who are not normally his friends, say, get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus says this. He says, go and tell that fox, look here. I'm casting out demons today and tomorrow and completing my healings. I'll be finished by the third day. But if I have to continue my travels today, tomorrow, and the day after that, huh, I couldn't. It couldn't happen that a prophet would perish except in Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say this, which may be more familiar to you. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and stone the people sent to you. How many times did I want to collect your children like a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would have none of it? 
Look, your house has been abandoned. Let me tell you this. You will never see me until you are prepared to say a blessing upon you. Welcome in the name of the Lord. For those of you who want to know, it's Luke 13, beginning at 31. This was the New Testament for everybody. This is N.T. Wright's version. So Jesus is warned that Herod wants to kill him, and he's not worried about danger for himself, but instead he focuses on the danger that's aimed at God's children, the people of Israel, and that means by extension, us. And he says this, he goes, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you have killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather you, gather your children together like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You didn't want to come. He says, I know you're not perfect, but you're mine. I long for you to come and let me protect you, but you won't come. You're not willing. And I love this image of Jesus because he portrays himself as a hen. A mother hen, I mean, come on, really? What a feminine image. He's offering to protect his flock, but they won't come. How classic. And I have to thank uh, Barbara Taylor Brown for this image because she writes about this, and, uh, and I love it. And I'm going to get back to the baby, so we are going there. This image of Jesus has stayed with me ever since I first read it. It's a captivating passage, and it's, sometimes it's one we just brush by. So if you haven't spent much time with this, this will be a nice opportunity for you. This is a story of a fox and a hen. It's the story of a fox and a hen. So um, for some of you, you want to keep your eyes open. You want to see me. For some of you, you might like to just close your eyes and let this scene unfold like a, like a movie in front of you, um, depending on how, how your mind works. Do whatever. But I want you to see this. See this portrait of Jerusalem as God's beloved city, full of God's beloved people. And Jesus is up on the mount, up above, looking down on the city, and he sees it down below. And in his mind's eye, as he shares this image, it's full of pale yellow chicks and at least one fox. And in the absence of a mother hen, some of those chicks have taken to following the fox around, who is Herod. And the others are huddled out in the open where anything can get them, and then across the valley, there's Jesus, a white hen with a golden halo. And she is clucking for all she's worth. That's Jesus. Come, come, come. Come, come, come. And most of the chicks can't hear her. And the ones that do make no response because they no longer recognize his voice. They have forgotten who and whose they are. Now, if you have ever loved someone that you could not protect, then you understand Jesus' lament. Have you ever longed to protect somebody, a child, a spouse, a close friend, and oh, you want the best for them, and they just won't? You've tried to protect them, but they'll have none of it. They want their autonomy, their free will. And you have to let them, even though you know it will cause all manner of suffering. Already, from talking to some of you, I know that that's the burden of your heart. You have a child that's not following the Lord. You have a friend who is in the throes of addiction. I'm sure there's someone here who knows someone who's in an abusive relationship. Or somebody that's turned from God and living in their own self-will. If you've ever tried to protect somebody and they just won't, that's what Jesus has got going here. You won't come. 
He won't come. And all you can do and all I can do in that moment and what Jesus does is open our arms. So take a moment. You know, you just, can you just open your arms? Just open your arms wide as if you're going to embrace somebody. There you go. Yeah, no, and you hit them. Go ahead. It's good. I'll hit them. Open your arms. Okay, so when your arms are open this wide, and, and it is important you do this, what does this feel like? Feels like what? A stretch. Nice. Love. Feels like love. What else does it feel like? Welcome. Vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So, so imagine you're opened up like this, and here comes the fox. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to go. Yeah, you want to go. It's curious that Jesus chooses a hen. You look at the Old Testament images. You got Lion of Judah. You got, you know, Hosea's stealthy leopard. You got the eagle in Exodus. There's all these other images for God, right? Mighty, powerful. Donkey. Jesus chooses a chicken. Well, this is true. Exactly. Thank you. Um, so we've got a mother hen, and you know, they, they can do something, but, but, but it also understands why some, of the, why some of the chicks go to the fox, because the fox is showing power. The fox is showing wiliness. The fox is showing dominance. The fox will do whatever it's got to do to get what it wants, but not the hen. But Jesus is always turning things upside down, right? Upside down kingdom, always turning things upside down. Jesus is always wrecking our expectations. He's always giving prizes to the losers, and he's always paying the last people first. I mean, he's always doing stuff that messes with you. And so here he chooses a chicken, which is about as far from a fox as you can get. So, what can a chicken do? You got it. A lot. They can distract you. One of the things that Barbara Taylor Brown says this is when a chicken is protecting its chicks, takes its wings, protects the chicks behind and underneath. And when the chicken, when the hen, I'll use the word hen, when the hen does that, it bears its chest. It bears its breast. You are right. It is the most vulnerable place. But that hen will do that for those chicks and gather them under. He says, I want to gather you but you won't. And in doing that, exposes himself and makes himself vulnerable and dies for them. He knows exactly the image that he is creating and what that is foreshadowing. He knows he will be sacrificed. He may, not, may or may not know all of the details, but he is preparing himself for that trial. And he is saying, I'm willing to sacrifice myself for you. Not a big stretch from here to here. I know I'm going to sacrifice myself for you, but you won't come. He's going to take his last stand defending his chicks. I know we have a lot of children in this place. As a matter of fact, you're all children. There's a lot of you that have been parents. And there's always in this, this dance, this tension between a child and their parents. A lifelong struggle between the two that says something like this, I need you, I don't need you. I want you, I don't want you. 
right? Help me. No, don't help me. I want to do it my own. And that dance we do between parent and child is the same dance that we do with God, our Father, right? I need you. No, I got it. I want you. No, I can do it. And it's that same thing that Jesus is doing with these chicks. And they won't come. Now, at certain ages, you see this more clearly, right? We got some two- and three-year-olds. Like those little one-year-olds, they're cute, right? Adelaide is so cute. There's nothing not to love yet, right? Has not asserted dominance. Has not said, well, she does know the word no, and she, and because it comes from no more monkeys jumping on the bed, right? <laughs> no more monkeys jumping on the bed. And she goes, no, 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 no. That's all she's got. But she's not really going, no, that's going to come, right? And then it comes back around oftentimes during teenage years, particularly teenage girl years, or so I've been told. H having walked a, a lot of journeys with a lot of people over a lot of years, I think teenage girls and their moms are probably some of the toughest things I've ever seen. But not me, of course. I was never that. <laughs> and all of this we do in our relationship with God. And the wise parent, the wise God, just remain steadfast. You just got to remain steadfast. Don't take it personal. Just remain steadfast. So these are some of the thoughts, honestly, that I'm thinking. You're like, wow, what kind of life does she lead? That's what I'm thinking about is I'm rocking Adelaide on my chest. And it was so powerful to me that I wrote it down. I want to share this with you. This is what I heard in that moment. And I'll try to do it without crying. I heard God say this, as I'm rocking my granddaughter on my chest. Pam, this is all I want from you, but you will not. Instead, like the cat in the hat, running here and there, performing amazing tricks, never slowing down and saying to me, see what I'm doing, God. Instead, just lay on my chest, listen for my heartbeat, and let me sing my song over you. You heard the song, so this is what I hear. Pammy Sue, Pammy Sue, this I know is true. Pammy Sue, I wish you knew just how much I love you. And there I am with Addie sleeping on my chest, and God's now singing to me, and I'm tears streaming down my face, but I don't want to move because I don't want her to wake up. And I just stay there, and I resist all the urges to, like, do and run and, uh, and just sit. And as she rests on my chest, that I rest in God's lap. It is really hard for me. You'll probably notice that theme. So I just ask you today, in your need to be independent, in your need to assert yourself, in a need to remind yourself that you have free will and choices, have you left the safety of his wings? Or to put it another way, do you realize how much you're loved? In Matthew 19, Jesus said what? Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. You may not feel like a chick that needs to be under and hide under his mother's outstretched wings, but the child in you does need to crawl up into 
his or her parents' lap. The child in you does need to crawl up on your daddy's lap. That child that brought you to camp, that child that's willing to go and do rhythms, that child within you needs to have that sense of protection and of rest. So I have a, I'm in, oh, I'm in good shape here. Wow. Usually I'm rushing, rushing, rushing. This is awesome. Okay. We're in good shape. You know, this was in the shade. I'm just saying. <laughs> you all knew this was going to happen, right? That I was going to be in the sun? No, but I can, no, I can't. It's okay. I can do it. I can do it. You know, there's more than one way to roast a speaker, I'm just saying. <laughs> you, you can have me fall down the stairs. <laughs> oh, I could. It's okay. I won't be here that much longer. It's okay. It's okay. So I want us to do a little creative exercise. I was talking about resting prayer. And so I'm going to invite you to take a moment to practice a little bit of resting prayer. Uh, if you're in the sunshine and you are baking, feel free to move. But I, I'm going to do a little creative prayer exercise. And I'm going to invite you to climb into uh, God's lap. All right. So I'm just going to invite you, as you are able, to put your feet flat on the floor, to rest your hands in your lap or someplace that's comfortable. I invite you not to have a position that's closed, but a position that is open. If you have some room and you want to lay down on the bench, I'm not going to stop you from that, but be in a position of, of rest. And I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Uh, so, and don't fall over. So sit down. I invite you to close your eyes. Imagine a place. It could be this place. It could be your place of prayer, the place where you feel safe. It could be a rocking chair in your room. It could be where you rocked your children. You choose that place of safety for you. And this is your prayer and your time with God. So you imagine God as you will. Each of us imagines God differently. Perhaps you imagine God the Father. Perhaps you're more comfortable with Jesus. How we imagine Jesus. It's all one. It's okay. And then I invite you to put yourself in that place, in that place of safety, with that person of God who is safe to you. And let that scene open up for you. 
Are the two of you standing? Or are you sitting? Are you looking at each other? This room might be inside, it might be outside. This is your place. Are you alone? Is there anybody else there? And Jesus invites you to come. Might be with words, it might be with a gesture. Look at him and see. And how do you respond? Now, in the image that I have talked about this morning, there was a child resting in a parent's lap. That might work for you, but it might not. But how do you come to Jesus or God, whomever, however you have pictured God in this moment? How do you come? For comfort? For blessing? For rest? And as you are there with God, what's happening? Are you speaking? Is God speaking? Or is it just quiet? If there's a question you want to ask of God, now's the time to ask it. This is resting prayer. There may be no words at all. Under his wings 
I am safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests are wild, still I can trust him. I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me, and I am his child. Under his wings, under his wings, who from his love can sever? Under his wings, my soul shall abide, safely abide forever. This is resting prayer. Nothing is being asked of you except that you be there. But it's a place of safety. Maybe there's something you want to tell God or that you want to hear from moment to do it. I'm keeping an eye on the time. You're fine. Under his wings, what a refuge in sorrow. How the heart yearningly turns to his rest. Often when earth has no balm for my healing. There I find comfort, and there I am blessed. Know right now how blessed you are. You can't fathom it, but you can receive it. You don't need to understand it, but you can welcome it. Under his wings, under his wings, who from his love can sever. Under his wings my soul shall abide, safely abide forever. This is your place, your special place with the Lord. And you can come here any time any moment. And as you look towards this week and as you enter this first full day of camp, I hope you can keep this moment in your mind's eye. Come and gather under his wings. Under his wings Oh, what precious enjoyment. There will I hide till life's trials are o'er. Sheltered, protected, no evil can harm me. Resting in Jesus, I'm safe evermore. Wow. 
You have no idea what life's going to throw at you. But there is a resting place. And it's not found in the arms of another person, although that's great. It's not found in the arms of your work, although that's meaningful. Where is it found? Under his wings, under his wings, who from his love can sever? Under his wings, my soul shall abide, safely abide forever. And you know, in this moment, which was just an opportunity, it may be that nothing happened here for you. Maybe you spent your whole time looking at your watch or picking the nail polish off your fingernails. It's okay. And if nothing happened in that moment, just thank God for that time where nobody was bugging you to do anything. And just thank him for a moment of quiet. But if something happened to you or began to happen to you in that time, I hope you take a time to share it, maybe in your prayer groups or maybe in creatives. There's a drawing or a poem or a prayer. As we talk about in CFO, it's right, it's breathing in and breathing out. You had a moment here to take in. Maybe there's a time in this day where you want to take out and develop this idea, this memory of rest. God has so much for you in this week. But it begins from a place of rest. Hopefully this helped you to arrive and to be ready for what God is surely doing in this place. I know some of you wanted to sing with me but had no idea where I might be going. If you know the chorus by now, why don't we finish it together? And if you don't, I tell you, this is a song worth singing. <laughs> under his wings, under his wings, who from his love can sever? Under his wings, my soul shall abide, safely abide forever. Thank you. Thanks for resting with me for a minute. And I think we may actually be early for rhythms, which might be a first. Thanks so much. Thanks.